Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. Hope you guys had a great Memorial Day weekend. Uh, depending on when you listen to this, you may still have a little bit of that left. Um, but it's always nice to have that long weekend. And of course, Memorial Day weekend kind of officially kicks off the summer. And with summer comes summer travel. Uh, and we talked last year with Michael Kaiser. He's the executive director of the National Cybersecurity Alliance. And he had some great tips for us about uh, how to plan for the summer and how to do things a little bit differently. Things you should be thinking about that you probably aren't. Uh, acting differently with your cybersecurity for the summer. So we had some great tips, and uh, I think we're going to just bring that back, and we're going to play that again for you now. All right, and back with me again is uh, Michael Kaiser, Executive Director of the National Cybersecurity Alliance. Welcome back. Thanks. Thanks. Happy to be here. And uh, with Memorial Day, actually, by the time this airs, Memorial Day will, weekend will just pass, but we've got the whole summer ahead of us, and that usually means a lot of travel for people. Uh, so, you know, we want people to be traveling safely and, and, and doing things that uh, they need to do while they're traveling. And I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily think, well, I need to, I need to do something different cybersecurity-wise or whatever when I'm traveling versus when I'm home. But, you know, using my classic, uh, you know, firewalls don't stop dragons, I like to use analogies. So my analogy of the castle, you're defending your castle, you're leaving your castle, you're going out on the open roads, you're visiting foreign castles or lodging or whatever, whatever the analogy might require. So, you know, what... What kind of this brings up some some other issues that we might not normally have to deal with, correct? Yeah, and I think you know, as people like you know, they they're on the go now, right? And you're right when you know when you when you pull the plug at home and you know you load everybody into the car and everybody or on the plane and many people now are carrying you know multiple devices. I know in our family it's often like you know everybody's got a laptop and a phone and you know mm-hmm. uh, right or somebody's yeah. got a tablet. You know you're traveling with a lot of devices. Um, and you're going out uh, into the world um, and you're going to be connected to the Internet in all different kinds of ways. And it's really important uh, to pay attention to security both before you leave and then while you're on the go at the same time. Well, perfect. That, that, that leads right into it. So my question, let's take this chronologically. So before you go, what kind of things do you need to do or perhaps not do before you leave on your trip? But how do you how do you get ready for your trip? Well, so, you know, we always go with some of that basic hygiene, right? Uh making sure if you're using, uh, you know, uh, email or other key uh, accounts that you use uh, multi-factor or strong authentication, um, especially on your banking and email accounts, right? This is something in addition to your password and your login. Could be, uh, you know, a classic implementation of that is you put in your password and your login, and then you um, get a text message to your phone with a six-digit code that you then put in, and then you can get into your account. This is really important, um, especially if you're, uh, you know, you're traveling and if your uh, computer were to be stolen or, you know, something like that and you were to lose it um, or to lose a phone, um, you know, that you would have uh, on your phone, you'd be using something like a finger swipe or something, you know, in addition to a password or just a finger swipe, which is a biometric, which just makes it that much harder for people to get into your accounts. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's really kind of tip number one in, in the traveling world is uh, really, you know, bolster your credentials. Um you know, if you've got passwords that need to be updated and made stronger, we'd highly recommend you do that. We'd like people to make better passwords. We'd like people to, um, you know, be honest about the weakness of their own passwords <laughs> um, when they can. And um, they know they're weak to just make them stronger before you hit the road. Yeah. And I think we mentioned this last week. Uh, password managers are, uh, in my mind, are the only way to go. The human brain is just not up to the task. Of, I mean, I personally, I, I use LastPass. And I, I, so I can tell in LastPass, I have, I think, north of 500 accounts, which is, you know, crazy. Obviously, most people won't have that. But I'm I'm sure that most people have dozens anyway. And the human mind just, you know, can't keep track of 
you know, you know, a couple dozen really good passwords. So uh, I would highly recommend using some sort of a password manager and let them generate it for you. You don't have to remember it. Uh, just have them save it. Do you, um, do you recommend any particular ones? Do you have a do you have a favorite you like in terms of password managers? Well, we don't. You know, we can't really recommend individual products. We're not a testing organization. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but there are plenty of reputable ones out there. Um, you know, you can, uh, do some searching around and see which ones have had the best reputation or, uh, you know, um, people find easy to use those kinds of things. So there, there are plenty of good ones. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's the, you know, and, and, and actually it's really, there's an elemental piece to the password piece. Passwords were not really meant to be the prime security, uh, gateway for the internet. When the internet was created, that was not the idea behind passwords, right? Yeah, yeah. And and they evolved to be the primary, you know, security uh, gateway, right? The lock on the door is your password, and so it's they're really critical, um, right? You can now, you know, generate these very uh, sophisticated passwords, and you only have to remember the one to get you into your password manager. So um, that's great. But even better is some form of multi-factor authentication where it can be used, especially on your email account where all your password resets happen. Yes, exactly. And by the way, I'm kind of, you know, I, I prepared for this by looking at your cyber trip advisor. This was a, 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 a newsletter or a report that you that that, uh, that you guys generated for this exact purpose. So I'm kind of walking through some of those things. And of course, you can find that online if you if you want to do some further study later. And I'll make sure I put a link uh, to this on the website. But let's, let's walk down through some of your other uh, uh, things. One of the things I think a lot of people don't think about is social media and this falls under the case uh, under the category of things not to do what are your recommendations there well you know on social media we really talk about people sharing with care right um you know uh you need to think twice about the pictures uh that what they say about you when they reveal that you're not home so you know while you're smiling from maui um and you know telling people well we'll be gone for three weeks right (laughs) you know Um, it's not hard for people to cobble together depending on what else you do on social network, you know, where you live, uh, uh, you know, those kinds of things are to find you. And there have been cases, I'm not saying it's rampant, but there certainly have been cases where people's homes have been broken into when they're away on vacation. Um, and also, you know, think about, um, you know, what, who is actually going to see your posts while you're on vacation, make sure that you're posting things that you feel comfortable with people like your employer or your parents, depending on how old you are or your grandparents, depending on how old you are, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, what, what they're going to see, you know, the old, the old grandparent rule, don't post anything on the, you know, internet that you wouldn't want your grandmother to yes, see. Yes. Um, but, um, you know, so just share with care, think about it, you know, you're out, you're having a good time, <clears throat> maybe doing some things you don't want people to know about and you don't want to reveal your location a very important, um, on the social media side. Yeah. And the other thing which we talked about last week in the, in the context of the want to cry virus, uh, is, you know, if you're going to back up your files, I can't think of a better time to do it than before you go away for a long period of time. Yeah, I would back up your files. And I would also, um, uh, in addition, depending how far you're going and where you're going, we talk a little bit maybe about sort of different kinds of locations, if that changes what you need to do. But um, you may want to just take some files off, right? I mean, you know, if you have uh, very sensitive uh, financial records or other personal records, uh, health records, other kinds of things that, you know, you feel comfortable, totally comfortable on having it, you know, when you're at home and they're on your laptop and you don't really go that many places. But if, you know, thinking if you might lose your device um, and all those files would be gone and, you know, you just have to be <clears throat> thoughtful about that. You can always restore them when you get back, you know, from a backup and put them back on. But I would really encourage people to sort of, you know, clean up their files uh, before they hit the road. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, take off the things you don't need uh, and back everything up, including not you know, including your mobile devices. Basically, anything you take with you, it, it, have a snapshot. I uh, went out to uh, L.A. with the family uh, a little while back, and I and I've got an iPhone. I'm a, kind of a Mac guy mostly, uh, though I use both Macs and PCs and Linux all the time. So anyway, I had set up the Find My iPhone feature, which you know is kind of interesting until you really need it and then it's fantastic i was yeah. uh, we had gone to uh, universal studio which have you ever been in universal studios it's just just sprawling massive place and you know dumb me i had my phone in my front shirt pocket which is normally where i carry it but not when you're going to be on these rides that are throwing you all over the place well i get out of this ride we're walking around and I go to take a picture, and I realize I don't have my phone. And I'm like, "Oh no!" And I and I and I, I could totally visualizing my phone spinning through the air in space, and the mummy ride at, in the LA Universal Studios smashing against something or whatever. And so I told told our tour guide, I said, "You know, I lost my phone." She said they notified the office. We you know have to wait till things shut down. I go home. Well, home being the Airbnb place we were staying. Go home, whip out the laptop, and bring up find my iPhone, and there it is pinging right in the middle of the mummy ride at Universal Studios. And so I'm watching it and, and the find my iPhone feature, I'm not, I'm not sure how much the Android ecosystem has something similar, but I could actually send it noises to make sure that someone kind of sees it. So every five minutes I'm sending out a noise and finally I see it move and I'm like, yes, somebody, you know, somebody found my phone and sure enough, they took it. I saw my phone move to the front office and the next morning I went to pick it up. So uh, that's another thing I would recommend if you haven't set up something like that on your mobile devices, and this works for laptops as well. And um, there, there are these programs you could use that help you find your devices if they get lost or stolen. Yeah, and so the finding function, extremely critical as you mentioned. Also having a wipe function, right? Mm. So in case your phone um, actually could not be found, yes. <laughs> um, right, that you can actually wipe the data remotely so no one can get what's on your phone. This also is a, you know, another reason why you need a strong, um, you know, passcode or finger swipe or something um, to, uh, you know, uh, on your device so that even if, you know, so it makes it just harder for someone to get into your system should they actually find your, you know, phone or stole your phone. Yep, absolutely. Uh, what about VPN services? This is something that if you're, if you're going to do something like this, this is something you'd want to probably set up before you went on your trip. What what can you tell us about the, the uses of VPN services? Why, why would I need something like that? Yeah, so uh, VPN is a virtual private network, which really um, allows you to create a, uh, a, you know, I mean, for, you know, to make it simple, kind of a private tunnel, right, inside a public network hmm. uh, or Wi-Fi network in most cases, you know, is how it's used. Um, and so the reason that you do this is that uh, public Wi-Fi um, is really, you know, one of the riskier places that um, that you can be um, surfing. And I mean, uh, you know, when you're on the road, the likelihood is that you're going to be using some form of public Wi-Fi along the way. You know, we, we you usually define public Wi-Fi as something that doesn't require a password to get in. But, you know, even at a big hotel where, you know, where there's a thousand rooms, right? Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, there's a thousand other people with the same password to get into the yes. Wi-Fi, you know, as you. And if they don't change it every day, then there's the thousands of people who were there yesterday. So, um, you know, they're private and they're more secure in the sense that they're not totally wide open. But, you know, you don't really know uh, who's on these networks. And, you know, I mean, we talk about Wi-Fi security as, you know, being important. I mean, again, um, you know, the risk is not it's significant, but it's not, you know, it's not like there's someone in the room next door to you you know, in every hotel you go to trying to get onto your computer. But, 
you do need to be savvy about it. And, you you know, using a virtual private network, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to do anything of any important way on your um, on your computer on Wi-Fi, you should consider using a VPN. They're very inexpensive. There's some free ones, although most people recommend that you use, you know, one that costs yeah. a, you know, a few dollars just, you know, for um, uh, they just seem to be a little better quality. But um, the, the other thing I think people don't understand about this is, a, you know, uh, I like to talk about this is not only getting savvy about Wi-Fi and using a VPN, but being conscious about the quality of your connection to the Internet. Hmm. Right. So because, in fact, you know, I know people don't like to tap their data plans, but they're the cellular connection, right? The, the connection, the Internet browsing from your phone is much, much safer mm -hmm. than a Wi-Fi network, right? And putting your phone on a Wi-Fi network also creates a security risk, right? Now, I know people don't like to, you know, data plans are sacred, right? And, <laughs> you know, everybody wants to, like, you know, look for a restaurant, find directions, you know, do all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And, you know, what's the, what's, the, what's the baseball score back home? I mean, there's a lot of stuff people want to do on their phones mm -hmm. while they're driving, right? So, um, but, you know, if you need to do something critical, if you need to do something really important, um, using your, your, you know, your data connection on your phone, using your phone as a hotspot, yes. right? For your for your uh, for your device is a lot more secure. And the best way to envision this is that literally, I mean, you know, basically when your phone connects to the internet, it's basically a telephone number. It's basically dialing into the internet, right? Yeah. You're not sharing that connection with anyone else. You're just sharing it with yourself. Um, it's just you connecting the internet. So you know the security there is much is much stronger. And we encourage people um, to do that. And I think especially. Um, uh, for sensitive things, but you have to be understand the, the quality of the connection, right? Um, it's really important. Yeah, that that is actually fantastic advice, and th that's advice I actually uh, often give out as well. And I'd forgotten. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a that's a great idea. Is and data plans are become you know becoming a lot more cheap and uh, giving you a lot more data. So yeah, absolutely. If you can if you can just forego the public Wi-Fi and just and, and use your phone uh, use your phone cellular service, uh, that is absolutely wonderful advice. Uh, and the one other thing that, that 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 I want to bring up in terms of privacy, and maybe it's maybe not cyber necessarily, but uh, credit cards. Uh, I, and this is something that I got trained to do because I did a lot of international travel. Um, is, is that before you leave, call your credit card company. And actually, now of course you can usually just do this online in your profile. You can just set a little note to uh, tell them that you're going out of you're you're going out of the country, or, or I'm about to go use this card someplace where I don't normally use it because the fraud protections are now so tight. That in that after one swipe, you know, in a, in a foreign place, they they will often shut down your 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 card. Um, what do you have any advice around uh, traveling abroad and using your your credit or debit cards? Yeah, well, first of all, most people recommend that you use credit cards, right? Because debit cards tend to have less protection mm -hmm. um, from on the consumer side. Although I think in a lot of times, credit card companies will you know will protect you no matter what. But uh, a couple of things about credit cards. Uh, you know, one, you're absolutely right. In fact, uh, I have an American Express card, and uh, this uh, this is the way things are going, and this is great. Uh, a couple of things, and, and most credit cards, a lot of credit card companies do this first part where you can set uh, an amount, um, and if a charge above that amount um, gets placed on your card, they'll send you an mm -hmm. email alert. Yep. So, you know, that can help you, um, you know, manage, like, you know, that could be your own little fraud kickoff system, right? You know, if somebody charges something over $300 and that's your limit, you're going to get a, it's not going to stop the charge. It's just going to say, hey, they did it. And is it okay? Right. And you yeah. don't, if it's okay, you don't do anything. The other thing, and I thought this was great and I hope this is the way it moves more. Uh, last year I took the family on a vacation, international vacation. Uh, 
actually didn't book the plane tickets with that card, but booked a lot of hotels. And about two days before we left, I got a note from American Express that said, looks like you're going overseas. Mm. Have a great trip. If you're not going <laughs> overseas, let us know. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. So, you know, that, that speaks to the way the algorithms underneath some of the credit card stuff is working. But I would, you know, use a credit card um, is fine. You know, some people prefer, um, you know, there's there's some, um, you know, sometimes you get better rates, for example, when you withdraw cash from cash machines overseas and, you know, obviously changing cash in the United States. So people want to do that as well. Um, keep an eye on your card, though. Um, obviously, you don't want to lose it. Um, if you need to check your, you know, uh, check your account periodically, you could do that, too, as long as you're on a safe, secure network, um, mm-hmm. you know, lock your, uh, you know, to make sure that things are OK. But, um, you know, credit cards um, are built with some consumer protections into them. So in many ways, they're better than cash, right? Because if you lose the cash in your pocket, you can't get it back. But uh, if you lose your credit card and somebody uses it fraudulently, uh, you usually can, uh, you know, avoid those charges. Exactly. Yeah. And I 100% agree on the debit versus credit. And that's something I usually tell the audience is, you know, when the, the credit card is basically a loan. So if somebody charges too much to the card, that's a loan. Uh, that you can call and, and that you will not be liable for that. Whereas as a debit card, that money actually is removed from your account that you need to get back. Uh, and and while it, you know, they they I think a lot of these companies will try to claim the banks will claim that they have similar protections. It's very it's fundamentally a very different scenario to uh, to lose your money from your bank account and try to get that cash back versus you know having an outstanding loan that you will never have to pay. Yeah. And but, you know, one of the good things, and especially like in Europe, for example, you know, um, you, you don't give your credit card away as much as you used to. Right. A lot of times when you're in a restaurant, they'll come to you with a machine mm-hmm. and you'll see them put it right in the machine. So it never kind of lose. You never kind of lose contact with your card. Right. right. Um, and, and, and 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 a lot of places are chip enabled now, which is another protection. Right. Um, so um, all good. You know, getting better all the time. Yep. Uh, now you alluded, uh, we had alluded to this a little bit earlier about uh, crossing the border, going international, and 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 using uh, pin codes. Um, so we had an episode uh, uh, a few weeks ago where I talked to a gentleman from the EFF about this because that's something that really kind of bothers me. And I know there's been some uh, movement to change the laws around this, but currently, even as a U.S. citizen at the border, your rights are different. <laughs> they're not they're, your constitutional rights uh, against search and seizure and things like that are, are very different at the border. We don't have to dig into that necessarily, but there are there are differences when you're going international versus going within your country that you might want to think about. Um, can, is there anything particular that that you can think of for international travel that might be different? Some security uh, things you might want to take into account before you travel outside the country. Yeah, the first consideration is what country are you going to, mm. right? Um, and so. You know, if you're going to China, right, or the Soviet Union or any other country which may not be, you know, 100 percent friendly to Americans, you need to be concerned about your security. Um, You know, we know this a lot from the business world, probably, you know, regular, you know, tourists don't think about this. And, you know, you said you did some international travel for your work. So let's see if this anybody ever did this to you in, in the firms that you work for. There are some firms that if you're going to China, Either A, you cannot bring a device, Mm. period, end of story, or B, they give you like a brand new iPad and when you bring it home, they throw it out. The (laughs) assumption is, the assumption is, or maybe an old iPad and they throw it out. The assumption is if you bring a device into some of these countries, there's there's no way it doesn't come back um, being compromised, right? And so you need to think about that, right? Um, You know, uh, if you're going to a place where the security would be um, extremely risky, 
you need to think about what you bring with you when you go. Right. Um, yes. You know, you may want to bring maybe you have an old laptop in the closet, you know, that has current, you know, operating system, but it doesn't have anything on it. So you just bring it empty and you use it, you know, um, to do various things. And, you you know, you may not want to think about whether you check your email or, you know, maybe you make another email account to use while you're away or something like that. But so you have to be evaluating the risk uh, about where you're going. And again, what kind of quality, um, you know, what kind of quality connection to the internet are you going to have? Um, uh, unfortunately, international data plans, you know, are, you know, while they're getting better in the U.S., once you're out of the country, they can be quite expensive. Um, you know, so you, you want to be careful about, you know, using your phone anyway. But um, well, that brings so up. That, go ahead. Yeah, well, so that's one area we can, you know, go ahead. We can. I was going to say that that, you, that perfectly segues into another question I had for you, that what a lot of people have done, and, and it's, I think it's becoming a little less common now because finally I think some of the carriers are starting to loosen up on these ridiculous uh, international data use uh, rates. Um, I know finally that my carrier has allowed me to at least go to North America and not have to worry about being on foreign soil. But a lot the, the solution for a lot of people is as soon as you land, in fact, a lot of airports – uh, just have these kiosks set up. You go and you get a local SIM card, which is the little identity module that makes your phone your phone. It gives you your phone number and associates it with your account. So basically, you you land, you 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 pop out the SIM that you you came with. You pop in a SIM that you bought locally, so that you basically have a, you have a local phone number and you have some sort of a local data plan. It's probably a pay as you go kind of a thing. Do you have any insights into into those things? Is that safe to do? Is that is that a, is is that worth doing? Yeah, I think it's pretty safe to do, and I think it is worth doing. And I think, um, especially if you're going to really require your phone while you're in another country, right? I mean, so I do some internet travel, you know, for uh, work as well. And a lot of times, I just like I don't really need my phone, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and you can get some plans that just allow you to text without making calls, you know, back to the U.S. Like you can have unlimited texting for some reason, but you can't make calls. Um, <laughs> So, you know, that you can use other forms of communication. But, yeah, I mean, I think the SIM card, if your phone will allow it, I mean, I don't know all the particulars about that. You know, you can't just, I think, slap some SIM cards into any phone. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not quite sure how that works. I actually know some people who keep um, older, uh, some even some flip phones, right, some older cell phones uh, that they use when they travel. Uh, and they mm. just, you know, leave the other one at home, bring the old phone, grab a SIM card, get a number, and, you know, then they're happy to, you know, um, but the only the only thing being there that like if somebody tried to call you right they wouldn't necessarily be to reach you because they wouldn't right. necessarily know your number unless you told them but yeah that's perfectly you know a uh, perfectly good way to do it um, I think you know when you're thinking about traveling and security you have to put into uh, place um, security around the functionality that you need but think about the functionality that you need right um, yes before you go yeah, and and yeah, the the advice that I've been hearing lately is, is you know is, is is exactly that, and that is you think about you know we're kind of it, we're used to bringing these devices we we're, we're attached to them at the hip and in some cases literally uh, everywhere we go. But I mean, when you're traveling, do you, you know how much do you really need that? Could you get by with something else? I guess is the is the real follow up. Like for instance, I've um, Chromebooks are are something that I've heard people uh, will take uh, if they're going to some place they're either worried about losing it or worried about uh, their device being compromised. Instead of bringing the regular expensive MacBook Pro or whatever, they'll just bring a Google Chromebook, which you can get one of those for two hundred fifty bucks. Uh, and you know, now basically it's a web browser and a clamshell, uh, that will allow you to do most of the things you might want to do while you're abroad. Yeah. You'd still have to be concerned about logging into accounts, right. Um, and those kinds of things where, you know, passwords could be captured, mm -hmm. 
you know, um, you know, in transit, right? A little more difficult than obviously getting it off your hard drive or having malware on your on a drive that captures keystrokes. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. That's a great. That would be a great solution for a lot of people, right? I just want a laptop. Want to go? I want to get to wherever I'm going. I want to be able to search for restaurants. I want to be able to get directions. I want to be able to, you know, do some things um, that require the internet. And by the way, much better to have that than to use the internet in the hotel lobby. You know, the mm-hmm. computer in the hotel lobby, which I actually never recommend. I recommend people just stay away from those. <laughs> yeah, know? absolutely. I've heard uh, some. I mean, just period. It's just like end of story. Full stop. Don't do it. You know, um, it's just you know they collect. You don't know what's going on in those computers. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, they, you know, I've heard all sorts of uh, security folks talking about key loggers and things that are on these things so that, you know, no, no matter how careful you are of someone not watching what you're doing, you're still, they're still recording every keystroke you make. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bad scene. And, and uh, I, I'm with you hundred percent. Just don't touch For all it. you know, there's a video camera in the ceiling that's capturing <laughs> your password as you type it in. I mean, there's so many different ways that yes. they can be compromised. Right. So, Yeah. Um, if you needed, I mean, it's really like scoping the technology, um, to the, you know, to, to what you need on your trip. Yep. Okay. So now we're at, we're out and about, we're, 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 we've left, we've done our travel. We haven't told too many people or the wrong people or broadly where we're going and how long we're going to be gone. So we're safe there. Uh, now I'm out and about and I want to do some things that I might normally do at home. And now I need to know if they're safe while I'm traveling. For instance, is it safe to do online banking or pay bills while you're traveling? Well, you know, again, this goes back to that quality of the internet connection. If you, you know, feel that you have a very good internet connection, like, I mean, I don't know, you know, if you're if you're at your brother-in-law's house and you have the password to their, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Wi-Fi, you probably feel comfortable doing those kinds of things, right? I wouldn't do it in the hotel lobby. I might not do it in a hotel room. I might that might be an instance where I connect my phone up to a hotspot, right, so that I know that I'm. I mean, I might make my phone a hotspot and connect my computer to it to do it. Right. So it's about reducing the risk and doing the things you need to do. But in general, I'd say, you know, don't do it unless you have to do it. And if you have to do it, do it in a place that you're you know, you have some you've given some thought to the security of your connection and whether, you know, it's secure enough to to do what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, One of the things that that we're seeing a lot more now is public in-flight Wi-Fi. Do you have any (laughs) is there any. Is it is that basically just the same as the 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 Wi-Fi at the hotel or the Wi-Fi at the airport? Is there anything particular about in-flight Wi-Fi that might be different and from a security standpoint? You know, my sensibility about in-flight Wi-Fi is that it's probably a little better than the than the hotel. Um, you know, uh, first off, it's you know the pipe is controlled, right? You know, down to the ground. Um, you know, someone would have to be on the plane, like sniffing out, right? You know, the Wi-Fi. So you know. Unless the person next door to you, sitting next to you, you know, is, you think is a hacker, um, you yeah. know, most of them have, um, you know, some form of, you know, first of all, people have to pay for it. None of it's well, some of it's free. I should take that back. <clears throat> a lot of the carriers are now having sort of, you know, a part of it that's free entertainment, right, that you can go to. So mm-hmm. it's becoming a little more open. But other times you have to pay for it. So, you know, that kind of already limits the number of people that are going to be on there in some way, shape or form. I think it's better. I don't think it's perfect. Um, you know, again, you know, it's a closed set for who can be on it, right? Just the yep. people on the plane. So it's not like, you know, some cyber criminal might park themselves in the lobby of your hotel, uh, you know, and they're just come in a couple hours a day to see what kind of mischief they're up to. Right. So l- let's say the worst happens and I'm, and I'm out and I'm traveling and I've, I've lost my phone or, my, or maybe I believe it's stolen. Um, 
if you're in, if you're in a foreign country, it gets even hairier. I'm not, you know, I guess if it was if I was kind of in my home area, I'd, I'd feel, you know, well, I'd go find a cop or something. Uh, do you have any particular tips for, you know, if if the worst should happen, you know, what how do you respond to something like that? What 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 can you do? Well, first, we already talked about kind of the wipe your phone, find your phone, so you yep. can do that, right? You should definitely have had – this is before you go. <laughs> Most people do, but you should definitely have um, passcode protection or or biometric protection on your device, right? Mm-hmm. So that if it's lost, you know, somebody can't get into it. Um, the cell phone companies themselves, the carriers, have a system of um, – you can report – your when you report your phone stolen – they have a registry and that phone can't be reused. So um, they can make the phone unusable, hmm. oh, right? Okay. So, you know, I can't remember what that's called off the top of my head. But anyway, it's, it's, a, it's a system whereby, you know, reported phones, stolen phones get into a registry and they can't be turned back on. So hmm. um, that has been a great deterrent actually to the theft of phones because yeah. they've become less valuable uh, over time. Because if I, you know, it used to be I stole your iPhone and it was the latest one you know, clean it out, put it back, you know, sell it on eBay and off I go. Right. Yeah. Um, you really can't do that anymore. So that's, it's reduced the value of them. So you can, you can have it kind of paralyzed like that. Yeah. In fact, and, and this made me think of something else with uh, the pin, uh, the putting the pin or the fingerprint on the phone. Uh, and I can't remember if Android has this, has a, it must have a similar feature, uh, but on my iPhone, you can actually set the, you can set the code that if you enter it incorrectly 10 times, it will actually just go ahead and wipe your phone. Yeah, in uh, Android, I'm sure they have a similar thing. I know I have an Android phone, and I know if I screw it up three times, I have to wait 29 seconds. But um, I've never gotten to 10, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, what about uh, these? Were very pop- these were uh, popular um, when the, these data rates were so high. But what about apps that might be interesting for travel? For instance, I know a lot of people use uh, WhatsApp. Got really popular. Yeah. Uh, not only not be, the security was kind of an afterthought. The reason that WhatsApp was so popular initially is because it allowed you to basically text people around the globe without paying these ridiculous fees. Uh, do you have any particular apps or interesting things that we might, you know, things you might actually want to put on your phone uh, for travel that might make uh, things a little easier, more secure? Yeah, well, I think, you know, obviously some kind of messaging app is always going to be very helpful. And if, you know, if it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't ding your data plan, that's going to be good. Although, like I said, some of the, some of this phone um, for, you know, international plans allow you actually to have international, you know, for a one time fee, allow you to text. Right. So, um, you know, you can look you can you can look in, in, into that as well. Um, you know, certainly you're going to want um, apps that are, uh, you know, help you in your travel, whether they're a translator. Right. Um, you know, which is definitely helpful app Mm -hmm. Uh, things like google translate which you know actually can translate from a picture now yes uh in a lot of language totally cool so it's amazing you hold the camera up you know to the sign and it and it translates it right so it's just it's it's phenomenal i I showed my wife that the other day and she just couldn't believe it It, it, i i I had to go find some i I went to the web and found some i think russian signs or something and and it was, it was just magic. They match the font and the color. It's not like they give you subtitles. They actually yeah, like visually like, replace it. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So those, you know, those kinds of apps obviously are extremely are extremely helpful. Um, and you know, I mean, I think you know beyond that, it's really you know what are you doing? A lot of people like to you know um, you know if they're going to a city and they can download an app that you know helps them guide them through the city. That can be extremely helpful. <clears throat> um, 
you know, uh, obviously maps are very, very important, you know, travel app, if not the most important. Mm -hmm. And I think if, you know, it just depends if you're going someplace and you're going to be taking lots of trains, if there's an app for that, you know, transportation system or, you know, a map of the, you know, of the above ground, below ground, you know, bus, tram, you know, system, those things are all really helpful depending on when you're going. One thing I would recommend though, is once you leave is to delete them. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's part of that. Keep a clean machine notion of keeping your, you know, free from infections, but also that's not an app you're going to want to keep up to date because, you know, you might not be going back to Geneva for 10 years. Right. So just, you know, (laughs) if you go back to Geneva, you can download it again. Right. You don't want to keep it up to date. And, you know, you don't. And also sometimes they run in the background. Sometimes they use your data plan. You know, there's sometimes they're tracking your location since we know people don't really read the terms of service. I mean, (laughs) you know, um, you know, remember that apps can be doing a lot of different things. So it's good to delete them when you're not uh, when you're not using them. Yeah, that's actually fantastic advice, and it, it, it applies not to basically everything you own. It's not even just your mobile devices, your computers as well, because this software is, you know, as we in the security industry like to call them, you know, extends your attack surface. It, there's just more places where somebody could find some bug to get into. So absolutely, you should, uh, when you're done with these things, if you're not using them, you can always get them back, right? So like you said, that uh, you could, if you find a need for it, you can put it back later. In the meantime, take it off. There's no point in having it on there. It's great advice. Yeah, another app I think people would, you know, should probably have. I mean, for those of us who travel a lot, we already have these some of these apps, but like that the app for your airline, mm, right? Yeah. Um, even if it's like the first time or the only time you're flying that airline, because there's a lot you can do from those, and also for some hotels that you might be using along the way, um, they're very they're extremely helpful if you need to change something or you know you can't remember what time you're leaving, you don't have to go to the internet, you can go directly to the app, right? Yeah. Um, you know, same with your hotels, right? You can see your reservations. You can make reservations on the go, uh, you know, um, or, you know, your favorite travel app. I mean, if you're using like an Expedia or an Orbitz or something, you know, one of those things, those uh, apps are are extremely helpful. Um, You can because it's you can conduct transactions uh, on those apps without having to, like, you know, get onto the Internet. I mean, you Mm. are on the Internet, but you don't have to, like, fire up a laptop or connect to a Wi-Fi. You know, again, it's going to be through your data plan. But um and, and I think people should understand that, too, like sometimes apps are more secure than other forms of connection. Right. So, mm. for example, in banking, this is uh, often true when we talk about authentication. So, you know, by the time you finger swipe into your phone, open the app and the app has been able to communicate with your bank and verify like the ID of your phone um, and look at some other factors like where you are. Um, and some other things, not all banks do this, but they can authenticate you through some various other, you know, characteristics. Um, you know, you're actually probably, you know, safer than you might be in some cases, just using an internet connection and typing it into the browser. Um, Hmm. so that's another, another thing for people to consider. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Good thought. Um, one more low tech thing. What about, what do you feel about travel insurance? I, I, I personally don't, I've got a love-hate thing with insurance, I'm sure, as most of us do, because it, it, we all know the way the books are supposed to work is that the house comes out ahead on insurance, so they wouldn't they wouldn't be providing it. But I've definitely – travel insurance has saved my butt on more than one occasion. Uh, do you have any recommendations on, on that particular uh, uh, idea? Well, you know, I'm not – I'm not uh, – you know, I'm, I'm sort of with you. I'm not, I'm not a big user of travel insurance, but on the other hand, if this is the big family – you know, we do a lot of business travel, right? So mm-hmm. – you know, I'm not likely to do that. I mean, if I have to change a ticket, I have to change a ticket. I mean, it happens, right? That kind of stuff. Um, uh, but, you know, if this is the big family trip or the honeymoon or, yeah. you know, 
something like that, and you feel like you need some peace of mind, which is really what insurance offers you, or if you feel that there's, you know, some kind of situation which makes the trip, you know, something could happen, right? Um, you know, it's hurricane season. It's you know whatever, yes. right? You know, um, you know, you got to you got to make the appropriate. Uh, you got to take the appropriate action. You don't want to be out, you know. Uh, and and a lot of these, you know, big family trips are very very expensive, right? I mean, yes. they're not. You know, it's not like you're just taking you know a weekend trip, you know, down the coast somewhere. So, um, you know, you just you might want to consider that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, it's, I, I agree with you, you know, you, you buy life insurance on the notion that you're going to die. They, they sell it to you on the notion <laughs> that you're going to live. So, you know, um, yeah. right. You buy auto insurance, you know, um, they're hoping you don't get in an accident. You're thinking you might. So, um, yes. you know, so there is, it is a little bit reverse there, but you know, that it, it serves a purpose. Right. And, uh, you know, um, it does protect you against loss and, and that, that's the whole concept. So you really got to calculate how, what's at risk. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That's exactly the calculus that I go through when I look at this. How much am I spending? What are the downsides? You know, regular trips, I don't think about it. But uh, I've certainly had it. I lost an iPad on a, on, on a trip once and travel insurance covered it. Uh, so, the, you know, there are times in, uh, that it would be helpful. Yeah, but, uh, you know, in that case, you should also check your homeowner's policy to see what's covered too, True. right? You know, because, um, you know, maybe 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 you are covered against certain kinds of, of losses, um, on the other hand, you know, your deductible may be more than the value of the device. So, and the, you know, the other thing I'll throw out there is because we talked about this before too, is check your credit card company. It, it, there are some bizarre benefits to credit, to using credit cards that you just never know unless you look up your, your terms of service or whatever. A lot of these things will like double your warranty period. Uh, they've got some, they've got some really strange things. You know, I, my only guess is they can offer these things is because most people never use them because they don't know about them. Yeah. Yeah. Especially some of, you know, the more business related cards may have some travel benefits or may have some travel insurance, you know, you know, or may and may also have assistance. Right. Like something goes wrong. At least you can call them and they can help you get back. You know, so. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. So we're wrapping up. Let me ask one more aspect of this. Is there anything different for uh, for kids? Any any sort of cybersecurity things for your for your kids while you travel or maybe maybe your uh, seniors, maybe if you're bringing uh, the whole family along, you know, is there anything particular for for the, for those age groups that might be different or, 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 or things we might want to think about that we wouldn't necessarily think about for ourselves. You know, I don't think there's a tremendous amount that's different. I think, you know, you can use the trip, I think is a great, you know, teaching experience about cybersecurity and about, you know, what they should be doing, especially like, you know, connecting, you know, the first thing kids want to do when they get to the hotel room is, you know, hop online and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, hook up to the Wi-Fi. So it's an opportunity to teach them about that. It's an opportunity to help them, learn about how to keep, you know, get their machine ready for the trip and passwords and all those kinds of things. I mean, I think, you know, um, you know, you always want them to be alert on from people trying to contact them, them who they don't know, um, you know, and, and those kinds of things. And, but, you know, I think it's just, you know, um, paying attention and, you know, maybe in some ways when you're traveling, you have more opportunities to see what your kids are doing on their devices than you do during the regular, <laughs> during the rest of the year. Right. When, you know, right. Um, people are at work and they're, you know, they have other things to do, but you're all together. But, you know, make sure that they're following those basic practices, right? That, you know, whatever, whatever risk that, that you're exposing yourself to by traveling with technology, they're being exposed to it as well. It's a great opportunity to teach them about sharing with care and being thoughtful about, you know, what they post online to their friends or to their social networks um, while they're traveling. So there's a lot of great opportunity, you know, um, uh, to actually do some learning uh, while they're on the go. Absolutely. That is a fantastic. I love that idea. That is perfect. 
Well, what a great way to end this. Uh, thank you so much. We, we, we got you two weeks in a row. I can't, I couldn't be happier. You've got some fantastic advice. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, Michael. Uh, thanks again for coming on. And uh, last chance, is there anything else you'd like to shout out about uh, work you guys are doing or any other resources we'd like to point people to? Well, just remind people that, you know, October is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. I know it's a long time after the summer travel season, but that's an opportunity for everybody to get involved in educating people about staying safe online. We count on, you know, broad participation from businesses and individuals and schools and nonprofit organizations. So they can check that all out at staysafeonline.org. Fantastic. Thank you again. Thanks for coming. My pleasure. Anytime. That was great talking to Michael Kaiser. I need to get him back on the show. It's been too long. And uh, in the meantime, i got uh, one big tip for you this week, and um, that is to reset your Wi-Fi router. There's been this new botnet malware going around from Russia, really, really complicated, heavy-duty stuff that has affected at least half a million uh, Wi-Fi routers around the planet. Apparently, it's focused in Ukraine, uh, but it is hitting uh, Wi-Fi routers all around the planet. And the FBI, actually, this is rare, came out with a, a directive asking people to reboot their routers. So here's the deal. Here's why they're asking you to do that. So this pretty complicated um, piece of malware they have that is that is affecting Wi-Fi routers actually has three different stages to it. There's a first stage uh, that infects your router and it kind of and it, it's persistent, which means that it actually hangs around uh, even after you, you reboot your router, which is kind of new. A lot of the, the, the malware that's hit routers tends to get purged as soon as you reboot your router. Um, but this first stage is kind of like a beachhead. So it gets on your router and then it uh, talks to these what we call command and control servers and downloads payloads, other stages, later stages. I think there's at least two other stages that it downloads, but it's configurable. It's a thing and it's really smart. This is really high quality malware. So which is definitely why we believe it was a nation state. And we certainly believe that nation state in this case was Russia. So heavy duty stuff. And basically once it's got this kind of a shim, uh, into your Wi-Fi router. Now it can really download anything. And currently it was downloading these second stages that would do, it was kind of odd. It was like, it had two options. Like one, either completely shut down your router, which would kill your internet service. Um, or it would scan your network looking for, honestly, industrial control kind of things. It was a SCADA interface, which is <laughs> something most people hadn't heard of. Honestly, I hadn't heard of until I saw the story. So don't worry about that, but the, here's the deal. So if you uh, unplug your router, if, if you happen to have been infected and you did get those later stages downloaded, this will purge those later stages. It won't fix the first one, but um, the first one also will be basically neutered at this point because the FBI has seized uh, the command and control servers that um, that first stage was using to download the, the the extra malware that did you know that actually did something. So if you just reset your router, that would if for some reason you were infected, that will get rid of. Uh, the, the, the later stages that actually did bad stuff, it might leave the first stage, but again, that first stage is basically meaningless now. It won't be able to do anything. So to do this, go find your Wi-Fi router, wherever that is, and that might be also built into your cable modem. Um, some, some of the newer modems now are actually a combination of a modem and a Wi-Fi router. Uh, so you need to figure out what that is. Uh, just pull the power. Um, there's, there should be a little cable at the back, um, probably a little a thin, round, black cable that in one comes out of one side. If you just kind of pull that out, leave it out for maybe 30 seconds and plug it back in, you should be good. Uh, of course, while, you, while you're doing this, your internet service will be down. You'll have no internet service while you do this. Um, but it will, if there is any infection on there, it will purge the bad parts. Uh, when it comes back, it'll be clean enough. <laughs> so, um, also while you're in there, you might want to, uh, one of the ways this 
uh, malware got into routers in the first place. Uh, two, one was uh, default admin password. So if you're not familiar with that, your router actually has a little web admin page. You go to your router's web address, uh, and you'll have to you'll have to. It's different for every router, so I'm afraid I can't give you a quick explanation. But if you want to do this, um, I've actually got a, a blog article that I will post that that will give you some help on this. Um, They'll help you go and uh, to find your your web admin page, and you should change your default password because a lot of times people don't change that. So if there's any kind of a malware in your home network uh, that is able to search around and find your router, and it knows that router's default password, it can log in and can do all sorts of stuff, including infect it with this malware. The other thing that uh, you might check is make sure there's no external admin interfaces enabled on your Wi-Fi router. I know that sounds really technical. Um, and it is, <laughs> you'll have to go to your router and kind of poke around in the settings because every one of them is different. But if you find any sort of an external managed interface or external admin interface or external servicing interface that is enabled, uncheck all those boxes and restart your router again to save that, to, to save those things and make them take effect. You sh- there's never any reason for most normal people to ever want to do that. Basically what it means is from somebody anywhere out in the internet, if they know your router's address, they can actually muck with it. You don't want to do that. You'll never want to do that. And But for some reason, some of, some routers come with that enabled by default, which is just dumb. So so if your router's having one of those and you can figure out how to do that, uh, disable that. I know it's, it's, it's hard to say that, oh, just go figure it out. But it's really hard to describe in a radio show how to do that. So um, anyway, if you could figure out how to log into the web page, you can poke around and you'll see those things. And hopefully you'll be able to find those settings and turn them off. But the main thing, the main thing, if you do nothing else, reboot your router, pull the power out, put it back in. Uh, and that should uh, clean it up if it was infected and you should be good to go. All right. And that's going to wrap up the episode. Hope you had a great Memorial Day weekend. Hope you got a fun summer ahead of you and you've got those nice, good summer cyber tips under your belt to prepare you for that. And uh, as always, until next week, don't get caught with your drawbridge down. Bye.